MJF is welcomed into the inner circle, we get a shocking debut and the beginning of what might be the weirdest storyline ever and more in this week's review of AEW Dynamite. So, um, if I sound like I'm trying to be a little bit quiet, it's because I'm recording this at my actual house, not in the studio, so sorry if I get a little asmr on you guys. But, let's talk about Dynamite, which I thought had really awesome moments, and then something that was real rough, and we'll talk about that, but before we get into it, let's first start with the fact that AEW has a new look. It has a new intro package, everything seems a little bit grittier, I really like the way it looks. It really feels more, uh, it, it feels more polished, it feels more pristine, I like it a lot more, and we got to see it all come into play during the opening match, which was Brian Cage versus Matt Seidel. Taz comes out, cuts a basic, I'm gonna, I'm a good, we're good, and we're gonna beat up that ding-dang Dobby Allen, because essentially they are cartoon villains at this point. They are, uh, they are the Tom to Darby Allen's Jerry at this point. Uh, it cuts to Darby, he's still hanging in the audience for no fucking discernible reason, and Taz talks a lot of shit while barely even paying attention to the fact that they're about to have a match, and then of course, Seidel comes out. It was really weird because Taz was like, Darby and Matt Seidel have a lot in common because Darby just had a big victory over Cody and Matt Seidel beat Chris Jericho. And I was sitting here going, when the fuck did Matt Seidel beat Chris Jericho? Because like even on Google, like Google was like, well, yeah, they fought in WWE. And I'm like, yeah, I think he won back then. But that was it. It was a really weird moment. But then the match begins, and it it didn't really connect. It was good. It was very technically sound. It had a lot of real fun stuff at the end, like um, Brian going for the drill claw, but Matt reversing it into a Hurricane Rana, and then fucking spot of the night matt goes for a uh a senton off the top and brian catches him vertically it's not like the crossbody lazy catch he caught him fucking vertically hits the drill claw pins him one two three it was really really awesome uh also they brought up on commentary the fact that darby allen's jacket is covered in thumbtacks for reasons that i don't fucking know they were like this is so no one could beat him up from behind i'm like then just fucking take the jacket off of him before you fight like that's it um post-match Ricky grabs a microphone, and he cuts a promo saying, after full gear, they're officially ranked. I don't fucking know how, because they didn't have a match. Maybe they had a match on Dark I missed, but I don't see how they're both ranked now, but they are 5-4 and four in the rankings, and that they are coming after Darby Allen's TNT title. Uh, up next, we get a segment that I just don't want to focus on, because it was so dumb, and it was a... Uh, it, before, before I even started watching because i had to watch late because youtube was down um everyone was saying this was a clusterfuck so i said okay let's see if they uh, managed to live up to the clusterfuckness that twitter said yeah no it it was uh cody basically says we are not seeking a rematch with darby at this time which was so fucking weird phrasing and then he goes but instead i want to fight mjf which got a pop from the crowd i guess it's cody's trying to be a babyface again but then jade cargill 
who apparently is a phenomenal wrestler, I'm not that familiar with her, gets in the ring and Cody's like, why the fuck are you here? It was, it almost felt like the butcher and the, when the butcher and the blade debuted, they like cut through the ring and beat the shit out of Cody and everyone was like, why? That's what this felt like was a big old, why? Unless we were going to get Jade versus Cody, I don't fucking know. And Jade then cuts a, she's not the best on the mic, but she's okay. She cuts a promo basically saying, hey, you say you're a liar. You say you're the giant killer. You don't know nothing about giants. Nothing about you is giant, which was a great little dig at Cody. And then continues down this vibe of Cody has never faced a real giant. Cody doesn't know what it means to face a giant. And at that point, I'm like, oh, they're about to bring in another big boy. They already seem to have a lot of big guys. And then she gets, fuck, she gets on the stage and she goes, congratulations on getting your name. But wow, I can't believe that you you uh, choose to go. You couldn't just go by one name because my client or whatever their relationship is does go by one name. And that name... <laughs> It's so fucking dumb. That name is Shaq. <laughs> you know Shaquille fucking O'Neal? The basketball boy? <laughs> He's gonna fight Cody. Shaq. <laughs> I, I couldn't. Because <laughs> I saw it on Twitter and I'm like, surely Cody's not about to fight Shaq. But nope. Cody versus Shaq. I don't fucking know why. Like, who's the heel? Because Jade was acting real heelish. But, like, who's the heel? Who's the fucking baby face? I don't know. It's so insane. And then, as I'm trying to fucking process this, Brian Cage just yeets in the ring, hits Cody with a powerbomb, and then Ricky joins in. Then Darby comes down, uses his big old cool jacket to hit big old moves on him. And then uh, fucking Willie Hobbs comes out for no fucking reason. I just... Fuck it. This was to set up a tag match for next week, I guess. But Cody Rhodes is fighting Shaquille O'Neal, the, the Papa John's man. And I just... <laughs> I just can't. This broke me. Uh, up next, we get a recap of Hangman and Omega, which there were, I understand it's post-pay-per-view, but, like, there were a lot of recaps on this show, like, raw-level amount of recaps. Uh, we go to a promo from Moxley, which was a pretty decent Moxley promo. The problem was there was a rough echo, like, they weren't mixing out the audio of the promo going to the audience. So, like, you were getting the audience promo mixed with the actual audio, and it really sucked. But, yeah, I liked what Mox was putting down. He basically said, like, I wanted to quit a lot on on Saturday, but I couldn't. Because, and this was what was kind of the best part of it. He goes, it made me realize what this championship means. And this was almost, this was almost his hard times promo this was mox's hard times promo he goes this title is for everybody out there who's struggling to make rent this is for everyone every single kid who gets made fun of for liking pro wrestling i'm fighting for them that's what this belt means and then of course goes on to talk about kenny omega and his accolades and he goes it takes a real special person to defeat kenny omega but if anyone can do it it's me which yeah a lot of fire really really good um 
and apparently it's uh, already fucking happening. We ain't we're waiting till Revolution, motherfucker. December second, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, and I am tempted to drive down there. Not even gonna lie, I really want to see this match. But matches I didn't want to see were up next, and that is the bunkhouse match between the Nightmare Family and the Butcher and the Blade, and I. I would like to go through and recap this match, but it was just, it was, it sucks because they put a lot of effort into it. You know, like there were some really cool moments. QT with an elbow drop off the top of a ladder through the heart of the blade, finally doing what he's wanted to do, get revenge on the blade, get revenge on the bunny, and then he kicks out. I just couldn't, I could and then the match just kept adding in spot after spot after spot when it should have ended right there. But firstly, I have a lot of problems with this match. Firstly, this is supposed to be a vicious blow-off to a rivalry. This is supposed to be the vicious, like, final battle between Butcher and Blade and the Nightmare family. The problem is... There's just so much Wild West bullshit around the ring. Like, at one point, someone got hit with a fucking hay bale. And, bud, bud, that's no longer intense anymore. Now it is a goofy cowboy match. Like, I'd understand if they did it and then the beginning it was a little goofy but then it started getting hard hitting but no it was hard hitting from the beginning they never acknowledged how ridiculous the setup was um so that was rough and then also this has been a dark storyline for the most part it's been a storyline that's played the same thing with scorpio and sean later this is played out on dark meaning that the people who just watch dynamite i.e me don't really know that much about it like yeah we know qt was flirting with a married woman which that's another thing i've got a problem with qt was the one in the wrong here Bunny is married. Like, we're all... Nothing is shown off that she and Blade were even possibly getting a divorce. Meaning QT was the bad guy. And yet, QT still ends up getting the victory off of the diamond cutter. Okay, this happened. Fucking... At one point, they handcuffed Dustin to the ropes. Then when we come back from commercial, Dustin was out of the handcuffs. And then he fucking hit a bulldog off of the stage through, like, these production boxes. And that's what sucks, is they wanted this to be great. And in a way... It was. It had a lot of very good vicious spots, a lot of, like, OMG moments, for lack of a better term. The problem is, it just didn't connect. None of it connected to me, because I'm like, no, fuck, fuck QT, you are not... Nothing Nothing about QT has made me think he needed this win. Like, he, he has not felt like the conquering babyface. He's felt like a shameful cuck who got scammed and lost all of it. He's felt like a loser, and he's yet to have anything make him feel like... Because, like, this, even the bunkhouse match, it was announced by Dustin. Like, what the fuck, QT, this is your moment. And he wasn't seizing any moment. And then they were like, yeah, just give him the victory. It'll be fine. So, yeah, I have a lot of problems with the bunkhouse match. Like I said, technically sound. They put each other through hell. But, fuck. 
Uh, up next, we get a recap of the Elite Deletion, during which Matt cuts a kind of heelish promo, during which he says, Sammy earned my respect, but he, I, Matt did what he had to do to end the feud. And then Matt, with a real heel line, says, I made you a big star during that match. Do not squander what I gave you. And at which point, I'm like, you put him in a fucking trash can, Matt. You, d- you don't get to be like, you looked great coming out of that. You put him in a fucking garbage can. Fuck you. So that happened. Uh, This is probably to set up a Sammy babyface turn because we then go into MJF's induction into the inner circle. And they're still leaning into the weird political thing they've got revolving around this. So they do this whole cheesy intro. Chris Jericho emerges, cuts a very almost WWE Hall of Fame promo, brings out the inner circle, but Sammy Guevara is not there no one knows where he is jericho's like well he should know he should know where we're supposed to be and then mjf comes out and saves this segment because it was a little bit rough up to here but mjf comes out hits some crocodile uh, full-on crocodile tears and then says i wrote a pro- poem and then looks at proud and powerful and says i think my homies are going to dig it and i said you're the worst so like he did that he quoted trump's i started with a small loan of a million dollars thing then the poem he wrote was a fucking drake song which for some reason got ortiz superheated and then mjf goes what do you mean i wrote that So this was great. Uh, Jericho finally lays down the law and says, if you have an issue with MJF joining, you take that up with me. And then, uh, so that was the one serious moment that's going to show a little bit of dissension in the future. MJF says, I started from the bottom, now I'm here. Because he's just the worst. And then says, oh, also, Chris, we're here for another very important reason. To celebrate your birthday. And then they release balloons, all of which get pulled up by that fucking, by the wind. Like, the wind didn't let any balloons hit the ring. So commentary's corpsing over that. And then MJF announces they're all going to Vegas. And then they all celebrate. And that was it. (laughs) It's one of those segments that when you describe it, you're like, it's dumb, but it it worked so well. It was very good. Like, from the moment MJF came out, it was great. He's the obnoxious heel I have always wanted. Uh, We get a recap of FTR FTR versus the Young Bucks, uh, which made me think we might get FTR interfering in the next match, which was Scorpio versus Sean. Spoiler alert, we don't get that. But instead, we get a promo from the Bucks, uh, where Alex Marvez goes to interview them, and Marvez is full on like, "Y'all ain't gonna kick me again, are you?" And the Bucks, uh, of course, say, "No, no, we're we're cool. You're fine." Um, they basically say, "What's next for the Bucks?" and announce next week it's them versus Top Flight, and I'm very excited to see that they put over Top Flight huge. Uh, they, the way they're putting over Top Flight reminds me of the way they put over Private Party. So I'm a little nervous, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see Top Flight and see what they can do. I think they had a match on Dark I'm going to go back and look at. So now we get Scorpio versus Sean. Spears coming out look like, look like a beast, but I still just don't fucking understand what this storyline is. It's all about Scorpio being a thief, but I don't know what he stole. I don't understand this storyline, and it was nothing but chops nothing but chops to start things off like i think it was a solid five
five minutes of them just chopping each other. Uh, at one point, Spears hits a nice superplex. Uh, Tully gives, we get to the end of the match, Scorpio locks him in the Scorpio deathlock. And then, of course, Sean's crawling toward the, toward the ropes. And as he does, Tully sets down a slug for his glove. And then he goes to distract the ref. So Spears scrambles to get the slug, and then Tully throws a second but different slug in the ring, which Spear, which Scorpio grabs and then throws it out of the ring, turns around, and then gets hit with the first slug that Tully put down. It was really con. I, I understand the basics because, like... You know that's 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 a trope. the The manager throws the weapon, but the babyface gets it instead and throws it out of the ring. So that's what they were trying to do was show that off. But instead, it looked really convoluted and really confusing. Great idea, bad execution, which actually is what a lot of this show got chalked up to. But yeah, this match fucking happened, and I still just don't understand it. Sean Spears got a win on television, so I'm excited about that. But outside of it, it's fucking nothing so uh we get a promo from kenny omega and at first we go to i think it was dasha and she's like hey guys um kenny left <laughs> which i'm like okay and then after that we go to marvez running after kenny in the parking lot so i'm sitting here like okay there's got to be something exciting here there's got to be some some exciting reason why kenny's disappearing but no Kenny kind of just cut a generic promo basically saying like everyone's wanting the cleaner back and basically explains the cleaner never left. I proved that in the Eliminator tournament. I just am ready to slip back into that role. And then uh, the best part of it is the fact that Kenny's claimed that John Moxley has never beaten him because their match at full gear was unsanctioned. That's fucking great. That is something I never thought about before, but Kenny can straight up heelishly say, I've never been beaten by John Moxley in a wrestling match because technically he hasn't. So that was really, really fun. Up next, we get Tay Conte versus Red Velvet in what was the second best match of the night. Uh, both of them look very vicious coming into it. Both of them looked phenomenal. Um, it just, it, it didn't, it wasn't a long match is the problem. Like, it was a great match. There's just not a lot of talk to talk about outside of, like, Anna Jay trying to give Tay a chair to try to, I guess, turn Tay over to the uh, to the dark side, use the chair, become evil, and Tay refuses, still ends up getting the victory. Uh, her finisher is like a gory special into a big knee. It's very fucking good. Looks really great. Um, Tay is adorable during the whole match, by the way, because she keeps looking over at Anna like, are we good? Am I good? Are we good? And so I'm like, I want her in the Dark Order really, really badly. I know it's probably going to end up being a feud between them, but I'd r I really want fucking Ty Conte in the, uh, the Dark Order. But yeah, it was a great match. It just, there wasn't a lot to talk about. Up next, uh, Marvez talks to Jericho, and everyone's celebrating going to Vegas when Sammy Guevara rolls up and says that, Wait, why weren't you at the beach? Because he got an email that says that they're doing this at the beach. <laughs> so, motherfucker was just bolted the whole time. He was just gone. Um, and that's all that this was. It was just MJF, once again, is trying to get Sammy out. And the way he did that this time was by sending him to the beach. Uh, we get a recap of Orange Cassidy and Kip Sabian, which is a story that is barely anything. But it's basically to promote next week, Orange Cassidy versus Kip Sabian, Bucks versus Top Flight, Inner Circle go to Las Vegas. And then, of course, as I've 
mystically predicted the tag team match, Cody and Darby versus Team Taz. So next week's actually going to be pretty good. Now we move on to the main event, which fucking saved this show. We get a promo from Kingston, and I loved it because I love how genuine Kingston is. Because, you know, uh, before this, he's like, I never went over. I never tapped. I never did this. He He blatantly came out and said, yeah, I said I quit. I said I quit, but I, I'm not going to stop. That's the difference between me and everyone in this audience. You guys will probably stop and give up. I'm not going to stop, and I will become world champion. And then basically puts over how great the main event is going to be, which, holy shit, he was right. And uh, then says, and the, re- the person you can thank for this match is me. You're welcome. And then he goes to get on commentary. So now we get Pentagon Jr. versus Ray Phoenix. Oh, fuck. Fuck, I needed a cigarette after this match, guys. It was... Because, like, not only was it a, just a technically sound Lucha Libre match, it was also very good storytelling. Because the story of the match is that um, Kingston is tearing apart the Lucha Brothers. He's so focused about his best friend Pentagon that he doesn't care about Phoenix. And it's breaking them up, like, literally. So, in the beginning, it was typical fun Lucha shit. But then as it evolved, you saw more viciousness come out of Penta. And you could hear on commentary Kingston cheering on Penta while ignoring Phoenix, even though Phoenix is part of his quote-unquote family, until eventually Penta grabs Phoenix by the mask and tries to rip the mask off his face, like literally tears it from eye to like the back of his head. And so it was fucking brutal. It was vicious. Uh, At one point, he had him locked up. I have no idea what the name of this move was, but it was like a jumping reverse DDT. It was phenomenal. Hits a package pile driver on the ring apron. Um, and at that point, even Eddie's going like, he, he he's now realizing the beast he's unleashed. And he goes, no, no, this is this is too much. Then hits a, then Penta hits a Canadian destroyer to Phoenix on the outside. And Eddie's like, okay, no, just call the match. It's over. Call the match, please. And then rolls him into the ring. Also, at one point, Penta's mask got ripped by Phoenix as well, which I like. I like that it was an eye-for-an-eye situation. Both of them ripped their mask. It was so fucking brutal. But uh, as I said, Destroyer to the outside, rolls him into the ring, could have went for the pin, but instead opts to pick him up and hit one last package, package pile driver. One, two, three for the victory. Fuck. My words do not give it justice. This was a phenomenal match, and you need to go fucking watch it right now. So post match, Eddie grabs a mic and literally kicks Penta or kicks Phoenix out of the ring. He's like, "Oh, let's get rid of him. Let's get rid. Of- you don't need that dead weight." He literally refers to Penta's brother as dead weight, and it was such good heel shit. And I was like, "Okay, this is a nice way to end the show." But everyone online was like, "Expect a big surprise on Dynamite." And I was a, I was fucking terrified that surprise was going to be famed pizza man Shaquille O'Neal. But nope. Instead, he Eddie's fucking hyping up, hyping up uh, Penta as much as he wants, and then the bastard returns and fucking Pac comes out hell yes i was i was excited to see his promo last week and i'm happy they hot shotted him back because Pac is back we're getting Pac versus kingston fuck yeah i'm so excited about that and i loved the uh, next week Pac is also going to make his return facing off against the blade because eddie is not cleared to compete and we get basically a pull apart brawl 
But the difference between this and most pull-apart brawls is Eddie doesn't want to fight. And so, like, he's just egging on Pac, begging him to hit him, but he doesn't want to fight. Like, it was a really fun dichotomy. It was a real fun change to a pull-apart brawl. But yeah, Pac has motherfucking returned. The bastard is back. And that was AEW. Uh, I thought it was... It sucks because it ended with a phenomenal match, but also I do have to account for that horrid Cody segment earlier in the night. Oh, by the way, didn't even talk about this, but you guys know that thing when John Cena's in Boston and his voice goes from like, hi, I'm John Cena to, what's up, my name's John Cena, I'm in Boston, like that shit? That happened to fucking Brandy, because Brandy came out and went hard in the fucking paint, like full on like hard against uh fucking oh shit hard during that cody promo and it was so bizarre and so out of place i understand like the crowd was getting behind her and i know a lot of people enjoyed it but i know me and a few twitter people were like this is bizarre but yeah overall i thought the show was mostly elite it wasn't all elite we weren't there yet but it was a mostly elite show but do you agree do disagree let me know on twitter at scotty mo s-c-o-t-t-y-e-m-o and as always remember to support us on our patreon patreon.com slash a load of bs gets you access to tons of exclusive content and our discord where we hang out and watch wrestling live so you can live react to us you can even change the way my uh if you if you happen to like some of the matches if you like the bunkhouse match and you think i'm wrong you can influence my reviews and you can do that by donating at patreon.com slash a load of bs but as always remember to follow us on twitter at fight boy show because when you're a fight boy you're a fight boy for life